I'm Stephanie Howe, co-host of Get Inspired and Innovate, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Shooks and Gif, Season 4, Episode 10. In this episode, I am joined by Stephanie Howell, and we talk edu protocols, a tool for summarizing, video captions, storytelling, and deciphering between assessment levels. Let's give it a go. Welcome to Shooks and Gif, the podcast where we share edtech treasures we love. Each week, we'll share a tool, podcast, tip, or trick with you, our listeners. We are your hosts, Kim Polishuk and Jen Giffen. Let's give it a go. Hey, Steph. Hey, Jen. How excited was the gardener about spring? I don't know how excited. He was so excited he wet his plants. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello, listeners. Welcome to Shooks and Gif. This is season four, episode 10. Am I right? Am I right there, Steph? Am I right? right. I am. Right. Yay. I am joined uh, today by another new co-host who reached out to me on Twitter. I knew I needed to record this week. I probably should release this week. It might come out this week. Who knows? Um, I'm on spring break and it's just, you know, it's been a long haul, so I wasn't feeling it. And all of a sudden I opened my Twitter the other morning and someone was up at 5 a.m. because she's crazy, um, sending me messages saying, hey, if, if, if Kim's not available and you need a co-host, I'd love to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And all of a sudden I was filled with excitement to record. I am joined by Stephanie Howell. Stephanie and I met um, through the Innovator Academy with Google, um, although we weren't together. She was part of Sydney 19. Is that right, Steph? And I was WDC. I was Washington 17. um, And Stephanie reached out to me to be her mentor for the program. And she had this wonderful project that she built, like all these resources around DOK and reaching every student. It was awesome. And I learned I think I learned more from her than she learned from me. And it was a really great friendship that was formed. I adore her. If you don't already follow her on Twitter, she is a must, must follow. She's Mrs. Howell at Mrs. Howell 24. Um, She shares some really, really great stuff. Um, And she's so well connected globally. I love following her. And it's sort of like, I feel like I have this like little sister that I've watched sort of like come up the ranks and like flourished into this like amazing um, sharer and, and technology expert. And I'm so excited to welcome her today. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Tell people a little bit more about yourself now. Yeah, so I want to continue with our story. Okay. Um, so with our story, there we're both pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was an email that went out from the innovator um, email. And it was like, okay, first mentor and mentee to get a photo gets a fanny pack. And we won. We won. Yeah, we did. We won. <laughs> we're winners. <laughs> Uh, I, I haven't worn that fanny pack though, but I, I do like, I do hang it up. <laughs> so I, I wear that fanny pack all the time. And in fact, I, I won a second one after we won that one. I must've been at ISTE at the innovator, um, Energizer. the Energizer. Who, and I uh-huh. gave it to Shooks because she didn't uh-huh. have one and she was jealous and she didn't come to ISTE that year. So we have yeah. the matching ones and she's like, don't you need it? I'm like, I already won one with Steph. We're fine. <laughs> I'm good. I already got this swag. We we are very competitive. That's a thing. Yes, that is a thing. Um, 
And so everyone in our cohort just kind of had to watch out because they knew we were going to take over on any competition. And we did. Uh, but another fun story with Jen is she's really helped me grow in the world of education. Um, our first meeting, I just remember like being so nervous out of the Innovator Academy, energized, ready to tackle the world. And the first thing she told me was like, okay, you've got, you know, these resources and they're going to say, yes, you can use them, but you need to ask them to build those connections. And if it wasn't for her saying that to me, I would not have this global connected community because now I'm not afraid to ask people, hey, this was really cool. Do you care if I use it, but give you credit? And then it just keeps building that um, connection. And then they want to share some resources and then you want to know more. And so if it wasn't for her to tell me that, I don't think I would have asked people. Um, I probably would have just stole and then like put their name. <laughs> but because she did get me out of my comfort zone to do that, I am just so thankful for you, Jen. Oh, so thank you. Of course. I love that. I, I In my bio that I put often into um, times that I speak, I say that I'm a teacher matchmaker. And I, I believe that. I think how honored are we as teachers when someone's like, hey, can I use this somewhere else? I think it's good stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, you, you just feel so honored. There's no other word for it. And you're like, yeah, of course I would. And then you think about how you felt. And I think that that continues, right? It's that paying it forward. Mm -hmm. And then people remember like, Hey, oh, I shared this, I shared this with Stephanie. So maybe, maybe she'll share that, that she has with me. And, and, and I think we need to be open. We know I've talked on the show a few times, how I feel about teachers pay teachers. Not that like I, you know, Ryan O'Donnell is, is one. I know he's told me he has things on there. He said, but if people reach out to me or they've seen my stuff, he goes, I also give that away for free at conferences. So there's a place for it. It's just, you know, I, I think there is that we want to make our money. I totally get that. We all have, you know, we have to put food on the table, but I also know that we're all really connected. And if we can work smarter and not harder then amen to that. Right. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. Cause that's what really, I feel like opened up the doors of my global connectiveness. Awesome. Um, that's awesome. And I just appreciate you so much. Oh, I love having you in my life too. Look at us gushing. We can go on. Everyone's like, okay, girls, we get it. We get it. Okay. Tell people what you do in education though. Let's go there. Okay. So in education, I'm an instructional technology coordinator uh, for a school district in Pickerington, Ohio. And I um, support teachers that are in grades five through eight. And a lot of it can be different every single day. Um, so some days it's like tech support. This program's not working. Our Google's down. I think Google was down on Monday. Um, finding out that this extension did not work with Google today. So that was most of my day today was figuring out that issue. But other times I get to help teachers with instruction. And those are my favorite days because I get to co-teach with them. Um, I get to share resources with them. And I get to get know their students um, and help them just kind of build those relationships with the kids, figure out what works, what doesn't work, what energizes them, um, how to change a really boring lesson to something that's exciting. So that is the part of my job that I love. Um, I don't really enjoy the break fix stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't like that either when I was at the district role and I know Kim's the same. I, I do agree that that partnership and being able to like drop in and, and see, have that connection with students along with another the teacher is so powerful. That's what, you know, the one thing I miss this year being in a classroom, I love having the connection with my students, but I miss that co-teaching. There's something about that, right? That's just so energizing. That's why I love having a co-host on this show instead of just being like hey and now there's this and talking to the void i do that when i just look at the little black squares in my in my google meets when i'm teaching every day so it's nice to have the banter back and forth and build on each other's energy for sure so why don't why don't we start we both okay, have some go. chairs 
I'm going to let you go first. You have a lot in here, which is good. This might be like me sitting and listening to stuff because that was part of it too. I was feeling like, I don't feel like I have a lot to share. And then when you were sharing, I'm like, I'm going to go back and look at my list. So I have a wakelet. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm every month now creating this, like things I saw in love. So I just go back through my wakelet and pick things. And I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about this. And so I found, I found some stuff that's small, but cool, but you have a lot. So give it a go. And I'm kind of really excited about your first one. So I think we've only okay, talked so about it briefly. I love edgy protocols. Yes. Tell um, me more because I have been trying to learn more about edgy protocols. I almost had the book and then I didn't. I've read excerpts of it. I've seen presentations, but I've never dove into it other than listening to a few podcasts um, that, you know, people have been on talking about them. Tell me what you know. Tell me. Enlighten us. Okay. So at the beginning of COVID, I felt like I really lost my groove. Like, Teachers didn't have time. Um, we were hybrid. They only saw their kids twice a week. Like there was so much stress and they were taking really good strategies out because they took more time for their students to do. And so I've read edu protocols like last school year and I was like, yeah, this is good. And then I was like, I need to try some of these. Um, so then I started to introduce them to teachers. They're quick strategies that you can use with your students and they're engaging. The kids love, love, love them. Um, some of them are like repetition and they're quick. They don't take any lesson planning at all, where a lot of my teachers were burnt out. And that's where I was hitting my like, like my uh, barrier of like, okay, I, let's do this. And they're like, no, it takes too much time. I only see my kids twice a week. No. And so when I started bringing edgy protocols, it changed the classroom. It changed the culture of our hybrid environment. Um, so in the show notes, I've linked out YouTube videos. Um, I'm working on a series. Not all of them are up, but I'm trying to take every single protocol and make a quick, short video. Amazing. And I, all of the edgy protocol stuff, it, all the templates, if you go on Twitter and follow them, somebody will share out a template and everything's like there. So I'm trying to add all of those to wakelets. Nice. It's taken me a while, yeah. um, but I'm hoping to be done with this by summer, like this whole playlist. But right now I'm just kind of starting so you can join along. So that way you're not so overwhelmed because you want to take one at a time, learn it, get good at it, and then learn another one. Um, so for example, the easiest one to start with is thin slides. Okay. Thin slides is one slide, one image, one word, and the kids have three minutes to do it. Okay. And it's a good exit ticket or entrance ticket. Give me an example. So, okay. So Jen, like what is your um, favorite food? You would have one image and one word to describe it. Okay. Let me know when you got it. Oh my gosh. This is really hard. Do we have to do food? <laughs> Food's hard. I really like all food. Okay. okay got um, it. Okay. So on your slide, you've got your slide, like an imaginary slide. <laughs> What image would you put of your food? Oh my God, don't judge me. It's nachos with melted cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you would have an image with, you know, the nachos and the cheese is like really melted off to the side. And then what word would you use to describe it? Uh, could I just not put nachos or would I have to put something descriptive? I would do something descriptive. Gooey. Goo oh, there we go. Okay, so Jen has her slide with the word and then there's about like a minute left. So with that minute left, Jen could go in and change her background. She could make it like a black background. She could make it maybe yellow. She could she could do whatever she wanted. She could change the font color while she's waiting for the other students. And then the timer's up. 
once the timer's up, the teacher hits present on the slides. And if students aren't finished, whatever you hit present is what pops up. Okay. Okay. And so then the teacher just goes down the list of the slides. And then when it's your turn, Jen, you would explain your slide for about four seconds. So like I did nachos. Yeah, nachos covered in cheese because I love the salty flavor, especially the guacamole. Yes. Yeah. And then the next student goes and then the next student. So everybody's working in the same slide deck and you're able to just quickly do that. So if you're doing this as an exit ticket with your students, I mean, you could totally do this with um, social emotional learning, just like we did with food. Yeah. If I'm doing this, maybe the American Revolution. Kids are going through and they're going through what they've learned. They can yeah. add quick one image, one word to describe the American Revolution. Yeah, a person or an event. Mm -hmm. Oh, very cool. Yeah, like and that's the easiest one to get started with. And that's where I tell people to um, start. And it's called so thin, that, thin Slides? Thin like Slides. T-H-I-N. Yep. And all you need is a blank slide. You don't need a, like you can get a really cute template, but all you need is a blank slide deck and then duplicate that blank slide as many students as you have. And then I always have the kids put their name in the speaker notes. Very cool. And gonna, then, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Wait, before you go in then, I'm just real. And then there's another one on the show notes. It's with students. And this with students is actually like with teachers. But for me, I was having a hard time understanding what like edu protocols was. So you have to read this book. Um, and the book is quick. It's easy. It's to the point. But it was really struggling. Like, how would this look with actual students? And so with Global GEG, we did a series. Um, it's called So You Want to Try Edu Protocols Classroom Style. And we have round one, two, and three. So we covered all the books, plus some that didn't make it in the books. And you're able to go in and they're all time stamped. And you can click the protocol that you want to see and then watch it with like teachers that are acting as students. Oh. And these teachers have never used edgy protocols in their life. That's so really they're cool. asking the questions that kids might have. And so then you can anticipate those questions that your students might have as you're seeing it. Um, so it just kind of really helps with the book. I would still say read the book and get the book because it makes that connection of what some of these protocols are. Mm -hmm. um, but it is just another resource for you. Yeah. And I know when I've, I, when I've talked to John Carippo and who's one of the co-authors um, and heard him speak about them, he's like, listen, these aren't rocket science. They're not hard. They're just meant to, I know he has, there's one, is it MasterChef that they start? Oh, no, it's not that one. Iron but Chef. Yeah, Iron Chef. There's there's one that they do though. He's like he basically continuously tests them, has have them write the same test again and again and again until we have mastery. And that's what this is about. It's about showing growth to our students, being able to chart the growth of those students and show them like, hey, you started here and now you're here by doing the same thing. And it, and it's it's the repetition without being rote learning because the learning that they do might be separate, but the way that then we're assessing either formatively or summatively is is done continuously so that the students know what to expect. It's not like, oh, here's a quiz. You have no idea what's on it. Like, okay, I've seen that quiz. Now I'm going to study in this way to learn these things because a well-crafted piece of assessment isn't just teaching to the test, right? Yeah. And what's nice about this is how long does it take you to open up a blank slide deck and duplicate it maybe 20 times? Um, I'm going to say 12 seconds. <laughs> That's all you're planning. Amazing. You know, like 12 second planning. Like yeah. And that's what my teachers needed because yeah. I was taking, I was like, oh, I saw this really cool idea on Twitter. We should recreate it. They're like, no, I only have two days with my kids. No, we don't have time for that. 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And then I found edgy protocols and I was like, this is what we need. <laughs> and they love it. That's awesome. And the kids do, uh, you're saying like the, the students buy into it. Now, what grades would you say they're for stuff? I would say any grade. Yeah. You might have to um, add maybe additional time for some of your littles if you're starting out. But then I think by the end of the year, you can reduce it down to those three minutes. I but love, as they're learning some of the tech tools. I, you know what, you so many times I've been like, oh, I should buy that book and buy it. And I, you're almost inspiring me that I think I might actually grab my phone and, and order it now because we, like you and I were talking before we went on, Ontario is just going back online now. And I think that now, in, I think in some cases we're going to have longer periods like instead of our afternoon, just 45 to 50. I'm going to have that hour. And I don't want to necessarily change what I was going to be doing with them, but just dive a little bit deeper. And I think this might provide some really great scaffolding I think I'm going to look into mm -hmm. it. And it allowed, like, when we were hybrid, the kids were not talking. I don't know if that's how some of your Google Meets are. Listen, my kids just don't stop talking somewhere. Okay. Maybe <laughs> I probably muted um, when I'm trying to teach. I have no idea. No, I never hear them. When they turn on their cameras, yeah. in one of my classes, they turn on their cameras at the end to wave goodbye a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, people faces. And I get so excited. And they're like, hey, miss, you need to calm down. Like, these are 11th graders. We're just like, okay, lady. <laughs> but it's so yeah. Exciting. And when we were like, oh, you have to share. They were like, I don't want to share. I'm like, it's four seconds. Yeah. They wouldn't stop talking <laughs> because they were like, oh, this is easy yeah. and it's fun. And it just built their confidence to have more of those deeper conversations that we needed later that week. Yeah. I, and I love that. I, I love the idea that it's like, you know, really low floors, high ceilings and, and getting them that buy-in from the beginning, like little community builders that I've talked about in on the uh, podcast so far this semester or this, this semester, this season, um, about okay start with something really easy like we do one that my kids would not shut up about if uh, a hot dog is a sandwich I don't know if you've ever done this with students mm -hmm. and they just kept going to, and going and going going we did um one must go is one we play and we had one about tacos donuts sushi and hamburgers I think were the the four and the, the kid no no it wasn't I'm sorry it was bacon donuts sushi tacos those were the four and what you have to get rid of one forever and like I actually was the only time so far this year I've had to use the mute all feature in google meet because they wouldn't stop I'm like okay, okay we really need to move on now this was great but we've been talking about this for 30 minutes and we have 15 minutes left in class that we need to cover something so that we're ready for tomorrow's in class part and they were like they're like no miss this is so good so having those really um, and, and doing them with them first, like you said, something like their favorite food to then lead to something like the American Revolution mm -hmm. or, you know, um, and, and just rights and the, you know, truth and reconciliation, you know, here in Canada or things like that, whatever it happens to be. Um, and could you're be really able helpful. to hear from every kid. Yes. Where sometimes those discussions, you only hear from maybe five kids that are mm -hmm. arguing back and forth and you don't hear your quiet kids. And this gives them a chance to share. I love that. I love it. Okay, those are great. Right. Educ protocols, definitely check it out. Um, Steph has linked everything here in the, the notes. Um, maybe what we'll even do is I'll put a link to the book um, in there as well so that people can get it. Because I think there is there is something to be said about uh, having that, you know, physical thing in your hands to look through. Like for me, I still have like strategies that work. Do you, do you have you ever seen that, that book? Mm -hmm. um, and I grab it every now and then I'm like, okay, I just need a refresher. Like, I feel like I'm kind of stale and I need something like I'm doing think pair shares constantly, or I'm doing jigsaws or whatever instructional strategy I'm employing. It's just nice to, for me, maybe it's a librarian of me to open a book and see it. So that's great. Okay. So I have, 
Um, a little one, it's called Resumer. Have you ever seen this before? I think that's how you say it. It's R-E-S-O-O-M-E-R. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to that website, not you listening, unless you're at a computer. If you're driving or out for a walk, don't worry. But I hope you're out for a walk. I went on this beautiful walk with my kids this afternoon. I found this new path in my neighborhood. I downloaded an app called All Trails. I don't know if it's Canada only, but um, it, it shows me all these little like unknown trails, like even little ones. This one was only four kilometers in my neighborhood. And I felt like I was like up up north, northern Ontario. It was like all these trees and birds. And we think we saw a little snake. And it was very exciting. Anyway, so I hope you're out walking, listening to us or just not listening to us. Whatever. Um, so Steph, I put in the chat there for you a link just to an Edutopia article. It doesn't matter which one you use. But what Resumer does is it quickly summarizes main ideas in a text. So let's say you have a really long article you have to read or your students have to read and you're like, no, I just want this to be shortened. Or if you, I wouldn't show this to kids writing annotated bibliographies because like this is like cheating at its best, I suppose. Um, but you, you take the text that you want to read and you paste it into this site, resumer.com, and then you push this red resumer button and through the magic of the gremlins in your computer, right? The AI all of a sudden goes through and it takes some time. And now it's like loading one out of seven, two out of seven. I think those sevens are the number of paragraphs that I have in this article. And I don't know if you've done it yet, but mm -hmm. then yeah, you come through and when you actually look at the main article and compare it, it reduced um, the text and it tells you to 24%. So it's now 250 words instead of 1067 words. And it gives me the gist of what I was reading. So why do I love this? Number one, sometimes you just don't have time for it. You need the TLDR, right? The too long didn't read. Here's my summary. Sometimes you look at something, you're like, oh, I, I want the I want the basics, but I wonder if I need to invest more time. Or you want to yourself as you know a tech coach or even as a teacher, give a quick summary and then have people read the full article. So you might just take the beginning of this. So I, I, th I thought it was just a really cool um, way to be able to, if you don't have the time necessarily, to read full articles to get just if you have a bunch that you want to go through and then decide. Um, a few episodes ago when uh, Brian Carpenter was on, I called him the Blinkist of podcasts, right? He goes in Blinkist is for books and it gives you the, you know, an audiobook that would normally be 10 hours in an hour. I feel like this resumer might be that same thing for articles that we're, we're reading or we come across if you have long documents that you may not be able to dive into fully. Because sometimes you don't. And I feel kind of bad saying that. And I read a ton, but I, I think that this could help me get through even more and especially dense data. Um, and if you're building prior knowledge, right? Sometimes you just want, okay, tell me what's going on. It's like when I read a book, I need to read the summary of the book first to get my mind to be able to anchor onto ideas. So reading the summary quickly and then diving in more deeply could be helpful. Or if you're short on time at a staff meeting, right? Share the resumer version of it and then say, if you want the full one, here it is. There you go. That's what I have. I like that. It kind of goes with my next um, share. Okay, go. So my next share is sound on and sound off, which mm -hmm. I was thinking more of videos. Mm -hmm. um, so the students will watch a video and they take notes of the video without the sound. Oh. So the sound is off first and they're just taking notes. Well, what if the kids use that one website and they pasted the article in and they read just like the shorter version first? Okay. And they took notes about it. And then they do a think pair share where they talk about what they learned 
and then they come back, they re-watch the video, the sound's on, they reread the longer article, and they take additional notes. Oh. And then another thing pair share. So I wonder if that could be a really fun activity. I think, for I think that. that could be. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, okay, it's not too intense. I've watched some of it. And now I'm building on it. Because the first time we watch anything or do anything, it's difficult. Whereas the second time around, it makes it more simple for us, right? Because we can activate that prior knowledge. Oh, yeah. Like and this. then having those conversations with other students. Hey, did you see this part? No, I, you know, I missed over that. So then you're looking for the, that information in the text the next time you read it. I love that. Now, is this sound off, sound on? which you've sort of explained to us, is this an edu protocol or is this something that you It is not. I just um, made it up with a teacher. Tell me when you used it. I really, I've never even thought about doing this. And, and it's funny because I recently taught documentaries and we talked about music and we watched, um, you know, the shower scene of Psycho without any music on mute. And they were like, okay, this is whatever. And then when we turn it on and you, you know, hear the words and, and like everything in Psycho or Jaws, right? The girl swimming and then just splashing around. But then when you play that, Dan, it, what the mood it creates so yeah. what what were you doing what brought you to this I think it's I love it so we are learning about the civil war okay. um eighth grade social studies and it's about Harriet Tubman's life and it, the video is like very graphic it has a lot of different graphics certain words pop up and this class has a lot of EL students and um for some of those students seeing the video and listening can cause like processing overload. Yeah. And so we did watching it off, just watching the pictures the first time um, with the sound off, taking notes of like what stood out, what do you see, having those conversations. And then when we re-watched it with the sound on, they were like, oh, that's what that part means, you know, like that's what oh. that image was representing. Um, when I thought this, and so making those connections, it was really interesting to see the kids um, kind of think out loud like what they were thinking the first time they watched it and then they rewatched it again the videos have to be short yeah, yeah you're <laughs> not gonna watch a whole movie on mute <laughs> yeah it might might kind of not be a good idea kids sit down um, for dances with wolves <laughs> three and, and a half hours later have, to have a lot of graphics <laughs> right that's or what, this won't work <laughs> what i love about that is it's a great exercise in inferencing mm-hmm right? Yeah. It really teaches students. And I think that would pair really nicely with reading inferencing that you would do mm -hmm. afterwards. So I could see doing this sound on sound off. Let's do this with a film or like a short video of some sort, then do it with sound on and say, okay, well, what were you, what did you know was happening even before the sound? And how did you know that? And well, that's called inferencing. And we're going to have to do this in this text now, because it's hard to do in text because not all the kids I learned years ago when I was a literacy teacher, it never even occurred to me that some kids don't visualize. Like that was not mm -hmm. even on my radar. The idea that you, you don't see things as a movie in your head. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, of course you do. Like we all see things as a movie in our head and we newsflash, we don't. Um, and a lot of the students who are struggling readers really don't. So we need to tell them, okay, activate that. And that's why I have students draw a lot when they're in and sketchnoting. That's why I love mm -hmm. sketchnoting. Um, yeah. But I, I think that's a great way to scaffold inferencing because it's such a hard thing to teach, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of, okay, your prior knowledge and then, you know, cl context clues equal your inferencing skills. And you're like, what? I love this for that. Yeah. And I think too, it helps you as a teacher know what prior knowledge do they know? Yes. Because like in the Harriet Tubman um, video, it showed her working, you know, on the plantations. Do kids even know what that is or yeah. do they have no idea? Because if they, they have no idea, that's where you have to start. 
Yeah. Um, or, not or not understand if, the culture. If, yeah. If, if you plan to do a whole thing on plantations and they're all like, oh, it's this, not, and not because they had <laughs> a very socially aware teacher in another grade, you might be like, oh, okay, there's, I don't need to reteach this. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's move on. It's what I love about hyperdocs. One of the reasons yeah. that the hyperdoc cycle starts with exploration before explaining is okay. Let's let them explore and, and make some un- have some understanding, ground that knowledge, share what they already know, and then I'll explain to fill those gaps. Right? That's like as much as people look at hyperdocs and some of them are like, oh, they're just you know they're hyperlinked sites. They're or, uh, like documents. They're not. There's a huge process that goes into the way that we create those um, to scaffold mm-hmm. the learning of our of our you know, of our scholars in front of us. Yeah. So, um, and I think too, the the notes don't have to be written. They can be sketch notes. Let your students, you know, kind of have that freedom to choose. It doesn't have to always be written. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I love that. Sound on, sound on. And you have a video there of it too. I do. Amazing. Oh, look at you sharing all your cute little videos. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to do something that I learned recently in Chrome. It is an accessibility feature in Chrome. Um, have you have you ever, Stephanie Howell, had a time where you were watching a video that you wanted to show in class? I like to keep captions on um, so that students can follow along. I, I always have my captions on on my television when we're watching anything that we stream. I partly because I want my kids to be reading them too, like it builds literacy. Um, But I always have captions on for whatever reason, and you never know who in the room might need it. But sometimes you'll show a video and there's no captions. You're like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Or you want to generate captions. Did you know there's a built-in accessibility feature in Chrome that will caption anything with sound in Chrome? Did you know this? I knew that they were working on it, but is it out? It's out. So go to your Timbits, the three little dots at the very top beside your profile picture. Click those and choose settings. This is how you access it. From there, it will open a new tab for you, which will give you all your settings for Chrome. And just start typing the word accessibility. I just type access. That's all I type. And the very first option under accessibility is live captions. And it says automatically create captions for English. It's English only, sorry. Audio and video. Audio captions never leave your device. And if you toggle that on, you toggle it on right now, I don't think you'll need to reset it, Steph. But what you will also see is now it should, hopefully, it might, it might need a, a reboot on Chrome, um, which we won't do right now. But it doesn't, it's me talking. So we're in a Google Meet, and all of a sudden, everything I'm saying without her turning on captions in Google Meet is being captioned. And same with on my end, if she starts speaking, I'm going to see all of her words. Now, it can be annoying. I had it on, I started to realize, okay, I can't. But you know, sometimes you'll start videos and they'll be on mute and you can sort of look at it or I can just play them there and have those captions for anything I want just automatically play. I think it's really good for accessibility, especially with those students who need to read along and where we might have videos that don't have captions built in already. and because it's done through Google um, and it's not, it's, it's funny, I, I, not that YouTube's not Google, but the auto-generated YouTube captions, I don't find are as accurate as the auto-generated built-in Chrome captions. So I don't know what um, software that they're using or programming that they're using that's different, but I found it's really accurate and really awesome. And you can also move the bar anywhere on the screen. Yes. 
Yeah. So long as it, like, oh, so, I can move it up here. Yeah. So long as it stays in the Chrome browser. So I, yeah. I have a double screen and I'm like, you're projected, for example, onto a, a 43 inch television. I can't pull mm -hmm. that right off my, um, yeah. my Chrome browser, like to be beside it. It needs to be in the window, but yeah. And you can, which is good. Cause sometimes you're like, Oh, I want them at the top in a big room having captions at the bottom. If we don't have theater style seating, not going to work. So I can then put them mm -hmm. at the top. So they're there. Um, which is something we can, we know we can do in Google Slides too, right? When we turn on that live captioning in slides. So I really like yeah. it. It's something that you can easily toggle on and off. And I definitely think when we're thinking UDL and those, you know, necessary for some good for, uh, good for all, I, I definitely think that it's this. And I, I showed it to my students when I found out it came out. And one of my students goes into the flags and tries all the beta stuff. And he's like, oh, I've been using it. It's been so helpful for me. He's in the 12th grade and he knows his own learning exceptionalities. And he's like, yeah, this is absolutely something that I've been using for months and I love it. So that is how you can caption any video in the Google Chrome browser. Yay. So much fun. All right, let's keep going. Okay. So the next one is um, story cubes. And I shared this at the GEG Ohio meeting, which yeah. I know you have a love for Eric Kurtz. I do. So we do. And um, Heather Marshall, she posted this on Twitter, I think yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it brought me back to like the GEG Ohio meeting back in March. And she posted a jam board of story cubes. So what you do with these story cubes is they're dice with mm -hmm. different icons on them. Yes. And you would roll them. It's a game that you would play outside of school, but I think you could totally bring this into school. And so the group of students will roll the dice or you could roll the dice for these students. Yeah. And then they review um, what they have on their dice and the icons. And then they develop a story together with their group. And they, on this Jamboard, they could use like the post-it notes and like maybe one group starts off the story. Um, and it's just a fun way to get students collaborating together yeah. and looking over a story. So just kind of getting them to creative and working together. And then the second link is a Wakelet activity um, that has all of these story cube activities curated onto a Wakelet. Oh, awesome. um, so one of the sites, it's, um, I forget which one it is. Let me look. It's the story cube, like there's so many different story cube ones and like one of them has like videos and the kids would hit play and then they hit pause to figure out what their story cubes would be. Oh, cool. um, yeah, so it could just be a really fun way to get students maybe creating a story or trying to connect um, something that they're learning. Maybe they're learning about the rock cycle and then they have to tell a story about the rock cycle with these story cubes. And I love, like, I, I talk about this all the time when I do sketch noting sessions. When I, if you've ever been in a sketch noting session of mine, the first thing I do is I say, okay, let's create something. And so I say, okay, let's draw a light bulb, let's draw a dog, let's draw a spaceship. And we talk about a variety of things, but then I end by saying, okay, we're going to draw one last thing, but it's very rare that you're going to have to sketch note something about dogs or about spaceships or about, you know, a light bulb. It's, it's, they all represent something. So I actually have physical story cubes and I love playing with them. I take them to restaurants with my kids, a mom pro tip. Um, Stephanie has a little baby AJ who's just over, just coming up on a year, just over a year. How it just. He's 18 months. No, he's not a year and a half old. Where did that year and a half go? 
Oh my gosh, sorry, I just screamed at people's ears. Okay, so there you go. She has a year and a half old. And so that makes me a year and a half older, which thanks for that, AJ. Um, but this is my mom tip for you. So that you can continue to go out for rest to restaurants. I love getting little games like this. And I bring them to restaurants. So when we're waiting for food, we play these little games without having to bring out a big board. I have a whole bunch of different little ones. I'm happy to share those another time. But Story Cubes is one that we use. And with the age of my kids right now, they will, especially the ones in the third grade, They'll just like go, okay, the first line of the story will be about the first dice, the second will be at the second, and they're very literal. Whereas I'm finding now my fifth grader is getting more into, you know, light bulb, he'll see that as an idea. And then like the lightning may not be an actual like bolt of lightning, but he's like, oh, and then Zeus, the fire, the god of the skies comes in and he like, and he does something on that, right? So he can, and he rearranges them and maybe puts a few lines. I love story cubes um, to, for any kind of creativity with kids and I love the idea to link it in like how creative can you be instead of using all your cubes that you roll be like okay which of these could we pull in to tell what we've been learning this you know in this unit or in this lesson whatever it happens to be to really make students think outside the box and I feel like you could gamify this like all right you're gonna roll the dice get if you roll this you're gonna have like number dice as well if you roll this number you can give one of your story cubes to another group yeah and then it like just throws off their whole story. Totally. Um, or you could re-roll or some, you know, like you could totally make a game out of using these story cubes. And it's just a fun way to get students thinking with those four C's type of activities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So speaking of that, look at us. Like this is when I love when the podcast comes together because one thing, one share at least when they're like, oh my gosh, that totally lends itself to what I was saying. So, you know, I shared Resumer and, and you showed us Sound On, Sound Off. You're talking about Story Cubes and I'm going to take us to prompts.ml. I just happened upon this. It is literally a writing prompt generator. Now I think it's, I, I'm going to say for older students, I've gone through a few of them. I haven't found anything inappropriate, but I'm, I'm not going to say that they're not. So you might want to preview the ones I might just give you ideas rather than throwing it up onto, you know, onto your screen in a, in a zoom or in your classroom on the overhead, but you go in here and it says, okay, generate a prompt and boom, you get this prompt. And it says a future galactic community uses time travel as a last resort to thwart the evolution of a problematic species just before they begin using tools. When they arrive on earth during the early stages of their, uh, of their target species, they're astonished to find us living alongside it and they're like oh what's that so tell me more about that story now that one's a little bit convoluted here's the next one i just hit at the bottom there's a button generate new prompt if you had the ability to transform into your favorite animal how would you describe the sensation of being that animal in regard to posture weight sight smell hearing or even size and i love that like i want to i actually might take that and print it out and just talk about that at dinner tonight with my kids because you have to think of so many different um uh, uh, so many different aspects of that animal. I also find with these, going back to inspiration that we find with, you know, our teaching, you might look at this and be like, oh, I could use that in terms of like, I'm doing a whole social justice unit right now. So maybe it's not transforming into your favorite animal. Maybe you're putting your shoes into another person in your community. Maybe it's someone of a different culture, of a different race, of a different religion, of a different ability, um, of a different age. And, and we say, okay, how do you think they feel? How do you know this? And, and off we go. Um, it's just really quick prompts. And I know sometimes we just need something fast. Like you said, okay, I need something that I can do that's already ready. And prompts.ml was one I found. And as an English teacher, and I used to teach some creative writing, I thought that this one was so fun and not like the traditional 
I found them really good for secondary because I find a lot of them that if you Google them or you get on Pinterest or whatnot, they tend to be great for middle school, but not as complex as we might want to use in, you know, ninth through 12th grade. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Just like you were saying, those quick moments that you have in class, why not just pull one of these up and have the kids start thinking higher level with some of those concepts? Yeah. And at, at the beginning of class, when they're just coming in to just provoke yeah. that that discussion, right? While you're doing attendance exactly. and listening, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. You have one more. All right. So this one, I do not know who created it because I am the worst at like finding things from Twitter on my phone and I'll open the Google doc and, or Google slide and I'll yeah. save it to my drive. And then it has no one's name. Oh yeah. Please. For um, the love, for the love people. Put so your if name. This is yours, please let me know because I'm trying to find you to thank you. Um, so slide three, they created, um, it's a Starbucks rubric. Oh, and all of my junior high kids and middle school kids love Starbucks. Okay. Same with the teachers. And so I kind of recreated the rubric, um, just cause it was a little busy for my eyes. So I recreated slide one, okay. but I love this. Okay. So a four on a rubric, if a student's doing a project, cause right now we're working on a lot of projects because yep. it's that end of the year, um, performance based type activities. If the barista gave you the drink exactly as you ordered, but added extra chocolate chips and a um, perfect dollop of whipped cream, you'd be super happy. It was better than expected. Yeah. And so that is a four level project. <laughs> like kids, sometimes when they see a rubric, they're like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, think Starbucks. Like when I order this drink, I better get those extra chocolate chips and a dollop of whipped cream to get that four. <laughs> yeah. And and I this is I've I've been in classes before, especially being back in the classroom now, and students will hand something in and they get a level three or three plus. And they're like, Well, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, You didn't do anything wrong. You did exactly what I asked. And like, well, then why didn't yeah. I get a hundred? I'm like, because you didn't exceed the expectations, and that's what a level four is. And this so much mm -hmm. helps you understand the difference between because yeah. read, read the level three, because it's totally different. So then level three, um, I ordered the drink and she gave it to me exactly as I ordered it with no mistakes. And I'm pretty satisfied and it was really good, but that's just a hundred percent, you know? So it's just meeting the requirements right where they're at. Right. She didn't add that extra chocolate chips and the whipped cream. Like I wasn't, I didn't ask for it, but yeah. you didn't go over and above. Got it. So and then, then the two, yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm looking at the two and the one, and I, I actually have a question about the one, like in one, it says you get the entirely wrong drink. She gave you some weird, um, acai strawberry juice thing. Um, then you definitely send it back. She didn't do enough. Tell me why that's a level one. So maybe it's a difference in the way we assess. So in Ontario, we call that like there's level R, which is like, it's below 50%. Do you have a below mm -hmm. 50 in Ohio that you use? We use standards-based grading. Yeah. So we have a E for like, you went over and above the standard. Yeah. M, you met it. P, you're progressing. Yeah. So like, you've got some of it, but you haven't mastered it yet. And then we have an L for limited. For limited. So you don't have anything yeah. below your L? No. God bless you. Because um, in the R, I'm like, why do you even bother with the kids? Like, just don't give anyway. That's that's for another show. Yeah. My assessment theories are for another show. Um, but okay, that's great. So go ahead, number two. Um, so if 
she did something wrong. Um, the cup wasn't full. Maybe it was the wrong size. Like that's always the worst. Like you always get the, you ordered a tall and you, you know, or you ordered a venti and you get a tall. I don't know what either um, of those maybe- mean. This is why I don't go to Starbucks. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. I, I go to Tim Hortons. Okay, large to a small. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you asked for ice and there's no ice or maybe you didn't ask for ice. You just assumed it was going to come with the drink. Yeah. Um, you're really disappointed. And so you might send it back. Like you're on that edge of like, do I send this back or do I even yeah. worry about it? You know, or, like I can drink in it. this too. I think you can go even a little bit further with it. Right. And just say, listen, maybe yeah. it's in the wrong cup size. Maybe they forgot the ice. That's something yeah. easily. If you add the ice, if you change the cup, then you're up to that level three you've done yeah. as I've asked. And I'm right? happy. Yeah. It's yeah. one, it's one little tweak or a couple little tweaks to make it better. Whereas level mm-hmm. one, uh, you get a wrong drink completely. Oh. <laughs> gross um and that's just like the worst like you want something chocolatey and then you get something that's like strawberry and you're like i didn't even want this no um you're definitely going to send it back and ask the student to redo it um she didn't do what you asked for and she didn't complete the task so yes that is a complete redo on you need to follow these steps and so this um rubric just really helps students know okay i need to do this this and this to correct my um, assignment, like, would you do, would you turn this in if you were a Starbucks worker? Would you hand me that drink that was made completely wrong? And I think and it so really, helps, yeah, it helps the students realize, like, okay, I'm going to go back and yeah. look at that success criteria. If, if this was a drink, they ordered A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, and what else can I do? And I love this because I have a problem sometimes with assessment that, like, assessment isn't just a, a tick boxes, right? There's no algorithm for learning uh, most of the time. So it's not just about ticking the boxes, which I I love that level four. So what else can I do to enhance this beyond what I've been asked? Mm -hmm. And that critical thinking comes in. Yes. I think it can just help students make those connections. Cause I had so many kids that were like, no, I I did it. And I'm like, but you you didn't, you know, you missed this part. Where's my ice? Where's the ice? (laughs) And so it just kind of helps them make that connection. I love it. I love this. And, and Stephanie has provided this really great visual. So I, I would say I would hang this up in my classroom if we were if we were in person. Be like, okay, this is especially I have those conversations at the beginning of the year and say, okay, this is where you're at. And how can we move forward? And then, you know, maybe at the end of the year, you have a little Starbucks party of some sort. I don't know, like maybe you do that. Or Tim Hortons, you can have Tim Hortons parties too. It's good. Or they could even like self assess each other. Yeah. So as up here, okay, you, I ordered this, but you gave me that, you know, like they could act like little bracelets. There, the there is no substitution for a really great analogy in my yeah. books. There really isn't, yeah. right? It helps <laughs> us understand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we've covered a lot here. I don't know. I have no idea how long we've even been going. I didn't, I didn't look at the clock. I'll probably, well, maybe an hour. Who knows? Um, so yeah, we, we've, we've talked about edge protocols. We've talked about, um, having sound on and sound off in videos for inferencing. We have a summarizing tool. We have how to caption, prompt generators, story cubes, how to grade. We, like, we've hit the gamut. We've, we've hit the gamut. I hope there's something in here that people can take. I'm so appreciative to you, Steph, for reaching out on Twitter. And just, you know, it was funny before. And she's like, I just need an excuse to see you. I'm like, you could have just said, I want to get on a meet and we can hang out. But I'm so glad we did this because now, now we've got a podcast to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any final thoughts? that you would like to share with the Shooks and Gift listeners before we log off for the episode? Just the same advice that Jen gave me was if you see something that someone's doing really well, tell them because they need to hear it. 
And if it wasn't for her to say that to me, I really wouldn't have all the global uh, friends that I do have. So thank you, Jen. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yes, reach out, reach out and tell someone that they're awesome and that you share their stuff because it, it is bucket filling and we could all use a full bucket right now. All right, hopefully we will have another episode in a couple of weeks. Steph, thanks for joining. Everyone out there, be well, wear your masks. I hope you're getting vaccinated where you are and I hope I get vaccinated soon because with Steph, we can talk about that after. Um, but take care, everyone. If you have an aha from our episode, as always, you know what to do. Give it a go. We'll see you next time. That's it for this week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you think others might enjoy some of this learning, please give us a rating. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found at shooksandgif.com. That's S-H-U-K-E-S-A-N-D-G-I-F-F.com. As always, we would love to hear your ahas on the Anchor app. On our website, on the embedded Flipgrid. Or by tweeting at us, sending us an email. Or talking to us in real life. I'm Kim Polishuk, and I can be found on Twitter at Kim Polishuk. And I'm Jen Giffen, and I can be found at Virtual GIF with two Fs. Thanks for listening to Shooks and GIF. And as always, have an aha, give it a go. Shooks and GIF is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca.